Buckeyes are going to roll. I love the over. I think points are going to be scored. Last week, I went six of eight units, made a boatload of money. Clemson's going to put up 55 points by themselves. He's not the coach to get Penn State over the hump. I'm going to throw some major money on this bet. I'm taking the over. Looking at where the models and the lines are running at least two scores different. And then my staked in the boom lock of the week. This is the two-unit play. If you're going to bet with me, it's got to be good. Mickey, Scotty, you ready to go make our listeners some money? Hello, sports bets fanatics. We are recording the show live. It's Friday, January 29th. And this episode is going to drop later today on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, pretty much wherever you can get your podcasts. We are Sports Bets Fun, your source for sports betting entertainment. Thank you for joining us as we talk sports, make some bets, and have some fun along the way. Uh, in addition to our podcast, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Sports Bets Fun. And check out our website, sportsbetsfun.com. A lot of good content on that, following the sports world and the betting world. I'm Maddie Money, and joining me tonight uh, is our co-host, Mickey Sanrino. Scotty B. Good is off tonight. Mickey, glad to have you back on. How you been? Good, man. Just sitting here. Got a nice bottle of white wine, chilled. Ready to dive in, talk a little football, talk a little money-making picks. But, Maddie, before we get going, now Scotty Part-Time's got the night off. I heard a rumor that we have a new member of the crew that we want to unleash on the world. Take it away, Maddie. Money, let's, let's, what, or, what do we got? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, let's, let's get to the introduction here. So we have uh, the newest member of our crew. Uh, this is B Locks, and he's joining us tonight. Going to be giving us some good money making picks later in the show, and he's going to be joining us to talk sports. Has a lot of great insights. Uh, B Locks, great having you on the show. Why don't you go ahead and uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Money, uh, Mickey Sanrino. Appreciate it. I'm a big fan of the show. Uh, big fan of the. Uh, of the picks, uh, obviously a big fan of sports at, at just about every level here. So, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm really looking forward to, to sitting back and uh, you know talking some uh, talking some sports and, and and helping you know helping everybody make a little bit of money here. Absolutely. Well, that, that's why we do this: have a little bit of fun, make a little bit of money, and uh, chat sports. Man, doesn't really get get too much better than this. So. Uh, great to have you on. Uh, Mickey, why don't you give our listeners, uh, tell them what's on tap for the show. Yeah, well, we have a special segment that we are going to break down tonight. Obviously, we got our usual sports. We're going to follow up on last week's college football coaching talk. The University of Tennessee made a hire. We'll give our thoughts. Early look at the Super Bowl matchup. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the AFC and NFC championship game. Uh, obviously picks. That's why everyone's listening, right? They want to make a little money. We want to make a little money. We're going to share our picks. But before that, I, I tease this little segment we want to talk about. Bankroll management. So I'm going to kick it off there. This music's fantastic, right? Hey, we talk about making money, but what do you do with your money? How do you manage your money? 
We got a lot of listeners in Virginia, in Michigan. Betting just went live there. Mobile betting just went live last weekend. So we figured it's going to be good to chat a little bit about bankroll management best practices. We're talking sports. We're talking betting. We're talking sports betting entertainment. Let's make it even more enjoyable for the listeners. Maddie, give us your best practices. What are you recommending? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the last thing you want to do is you, you join and, you know, you throw a hundred bucks into your app and you go, you drop 50 bucks on a, on a game or on a box and you lose. And after the weekend's over, you're down to zero. That, that's no fun. That's, that's not what this is all about. Uh, the sports betting and, and be able to do it. You can make some of these games a little more interesting. And uh, so the best practice, the way I see it is the first thing you want to do is you got to set your budget, you know, whether it's a hundred bucks, a couple hundred bucks, thousand bucks, if you're a high roller, $5,000, if you're Mickey San Reno over <laughs> here for a weekend, you know, set your budget. Um, and a lot of these apps, they have a lot of different promos going on. So if you're living in Virginia, if you're living in Michigan, uh, you can get a hundred dollar free credit on FanDuel in Virginia. I believe DraftKings was matching your first deposit. So a lot of things you can take advantage of to kind of give yourself a quick start. And then when you get actually into the betting, um, I'm going to use an example. Let's, let's say you, you put a thousand dollars into your account. Uh, you, you want to establish what you're comfortable with and betting one unit is your standard unit of play to bet. And that should be really one to 5% of your budget. Uh, so if, if you got a thousand dollars, then 1% of that, I mean, you do the math. It's what are we talking, Mickey? What's 1% of a thousand? What's 5% was, of a thousand? Come on. I was told there was going to be no math. I'm about three quarters of the way through my wine bottle tonight. 5% of a thousand. Clearly we're talking 50 bucks. 50 bucks. That's right. So that'd be one unit, right? So when you're betting, you're going to be betting, you know, 50 bucks. You can go a little bit lower if you want. There are going to be some times where you want to maybe play two units. You know, maybe you got something that you feel is really good play. So you might put a hundred bucks on something, but typically you're going to be betting 50 bucks. You know, five, that's 5% of your bankroll. And that's really going to ensure that you can withstand a, a string of losses and still be in there. Don't get sucked into these, you know, you'll see them on gambling Twitter, you know, max five unit plays, 10 unit plays, 100 unit <laughs> plays. Don't get sucked into that. If you're going tilt, uh, that's that's the quickest way, just, you know, one bad game and, and, and you're blown out. So uh, be cautious of that. And as you follow this, it, you know, 52.4%, that's the magic number to break even. If you're betting the standard minus 110 odds, uh, you have to win 52.4% of your bets to break even. So if you're hitting 55, 58, 60, shit, if you're up to 65%, I mean, you're doing awesome. So, uh, but know that that 52.4% is the magic number. You do have to win more, more than half your bets when you're betting those standard odds. So, uh, recommend keeping track of your picks so you can kind of monitor and see where you are as, as far as what's picking and do the work, you know, um, you know, do your research and or find some trusted sources like us here at sports bets fun to, to give you some insight and maybe give you some leads that you can follow up with and either either tail us on or dig into yourself and uh and, and make your decisions from there well and you talk you hit the nail on the head at the end find that trusted source sports bets fun maddie money scotty bats you tell those boys on basketball you're going to make some money Big thing is don't chase, don't chase, don't chase. You will lose a couple bets. Everyone likes to find a late game that they're going to throw a couple units on and try to make it all back. Don't do that. Have your system. Stick to your system. Love the advice, Maddie. Be locks. You got anything to add to that? 
No, I, you know, you guys, uh, you guys got some great, great advice there for the listeners out there. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, absolutely. It, you know, uh, for me, it's more, you know, what, what you're comfortable, comfortable with. And, uh, I, I like to, to bet on the teams that, that I watch, you know, considerably more frequently. I, I, I've got more information on them. Uh, you know, it, it very rarely do I go off on, on a limb unless it's, uh, you know, as you said, from a trusted source. I, I like to know the teams that I'm betting on. I like to know uh, who's playing, especially in this year, you know, the COVID year when, when, when players are coming in, coaches are coming in and out and such, and there's so much uh, back and forth. Uh, I, I like to have all the information that I have before I go out there and make a bet. So, again, that kind of piggybacks off what, what uh, you fellows were talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And all great advice. Um, but, yeah, you know, enough about that. People people are, are I think, are, they're, they're happy to kind of learn how to manage your money, but I think they really want to, you know, get into making money. And we're, we're going to get to our picks later in the show. Uh, but first, uh, gentlemen, why don't, we, why don't we chat a little sports? So, Mickey, I do agree, man. We're going to have to figure out a different interlude music. Uh, I feel like the championship game is coming on, but, you know, we're really actually just moving into a segment following up on the Tennessee volunteer coaching hire that we talked last week. And I think that music kind of set people up for something big, and we're talking Tennessee vol football. Uh, I, feel like I'm, I feel like I'm getting ready to, you know, win a gold medal at the Olympics. And I just, I just beat Usain Bolt yeah. in 100 meter dash. And now I'm, you know, I'm trotting out to accept my gold medal when I hear that. I feel pretty good. <laughs> I feel like I'm on top of the world. It's a, it's a good feeling. But then we talk about Tennessee football and, and it just doesn't, doesn't connect. I got to be nice though. Scotty Betts is not lying to defend Vol Nation. So, you know, I'll behave. Man, yeah, yeah, you, you behave, but you, you, good, good pull on that Olympics. It does have an Olympic vibe to it. Um, yeah, so we wanted to follow up. Uh, last week we did a segment uh, really on, on the college football coaching car- carousel, but then we zeroed in on the Tennessee Volunteers specifically because our boy Scotty Betts is an alumni there, and, and obviously that's near and dear to him. Uh, since then, the Tennessee Volunteers did make a hire, and they hired Josh Heupel out of Central Florida. He was the head coach there the past few years. And for the older folks may remember him as the quarterback of the 2000 Oklahoma Sooner National Championship game or national championship team. Obviously, he has that air raid influence. So he's coming to Knoxville, Tennessee. And let's just do a little bit of a roundtable, gentlemen. Just kind of, you know, love to get your thoughts. And we can just talk a little bit on this, what we think, uh, if it's good hire, did Tennessee hit the mark, um, and what our overall thoughts are. So, Locks, I'll go to you first. Um, Josh Heupel to Tennessee. What, what, what initially comes to mind? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think this is a, a, a decent hire for Tennessee. Uh, I think, uh, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, er, earlier on that there were a lot of names that were coming out here, you know, some, some, some pretty high-profile names and, uh, you know, uh, not, not to, to downgrade uh, Coach Heupel or anything, but I'd, I'd say that some of the names out there may have had a little bit more uh, energy than, than what, uh, what Heupel had. So I, I think it's a good pick. I think it's a safe pick. I think, it's, uh, I think he's going to do a, a, a decent job there. Um, 
I think it's going to take him a little bit of time in terms of getting the system in and, and, and bringing in the kind of players to run that kind of offense. I'm not sure that it's a, you know, an exact match with the system that they had before. But uh, overall, I think, I, I think it's, you know, uh, I, I call it a, a B higher. Well, and, and, you know, one of the things they said the new athletic director was looking for was an offensive-minded coach. And, and Heupel's offenses at UCF put up points. Um, and they had some success, not as much success as UCF had when Scott Frost was there, but respectable. Mickey, what comes to mind when you saw the – what came to mind when you saw the, the Heupel hire? Well, I said this the other day, not the worst hire, far from the best hire. Uh this is where Tennessee is at as a program right now. You know, you go be lost. You hit the nail on the head. You go back to the coaching search. There was smoke around big names, proven head coaches tied to this job. So they bring in Heupel. Maybe it's a little bit of a thud. There were rumors circulating Luke Fickle, P.J. Flack. There was a plane going to State College. So James Franklin was bantered about, not to mention some of the popular names that uh, some internet personalities were putting out there with Lane Kiffin, Hugh Freeze. Uh, so Hypo comes in, uh, good coach, followed Scott Frost at UCF. The results, maybe they didn't win a national championship with Josh Hypo. And he, can coach, he can coach offense. He developed QBs. You know, Oklahoma, he had Sam Bradford, he had Drew Locke at Missouri. Uh, he worked with Mackenzie Milton and Dylan Gabriel at UCF. His offenses at UCF were top 10 in the country. A lot of intrigue there. We'll see what he does with his staff. Uh, I saw today on the interwebs, Kevin Steele doesn't look like he's going to be the defensive coordinator. And like we talked about last week, they need to bring in a coach that can develop the talent, can recruit, and can 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 figure out the quarterback situation. I'm confident Heupel is going to figure out the quarterback situation, but they need a staff that's going to going to fill that out. Maddie, what what are your thoughts on that? Well, and we talked about this a little bit last week. Obviously, the the situation you're walking in at Tennessee in that SEC East, you have Georgia who's been on fire and you have Florida with Dan Mullen, you know, those programs, Mickey said this, they're, they're a few years ahead of, of where Tennessee is. Your crossover game is Alabama every year. That doesn't help. But then on, but then on top of that, you're likely going to be fa- facing some sort of sanctions or probation or something, maybe a reduction in scholarships. You know, the NCAA is not going to let a program go hand away McDonald's bags full of cash and, and not slap you with, with, with something. So, um, you know, I wonder, you know, I, I honestly wonder if that really deterred maybe some of these bigger names from, from taking that. Because I look at the Tennessee job just in general in the, in, the, in the grand scheme of things. I think that's a pretty solid job. It's not a top five job, but it's probably on the cusp between top 10, top 15, definitely top 20 jobs in college football at the macro level, but then you throw in the, um, the sanctions and everything and, and, and the challenges. I mean, if you're James Franklin, why would you go to Tennessee, right? You, you, yeah, you got Ohio state every year against Penn state, but you've been able to compete with them a little bit. Do you really want to go play Alabama and Georgia and Florida? And then on top of that, maybe lose five scholarships a year or something like that for the next couple of years. Just doesn't make sense. Well, the answer to that question would be dollars. He's making six plus million dollars at Penn State. If Tennessee would have backed up the Brinks truck, eight or nine million dollars, that's plenty of reason to go there. But B locks, I want I want your thoughts on on Tennessee as a program, where you think they're at. We broke this down last week, but with this hire and and with everything that Maddie and I are talking about, there, there's more to it than that. Give us your thoubts. Well, uh, no, no doubt that this has been a Tennessee program that's uh, 
they they, ha- they haven't met uh, expectations. I, I, th- I think uh, maybe last week on the program, I think you guys were talking a little bit about uh, previous coach and, uh, you know, there were some some decent expectations, and and, and I don't know that a whole lot of people would would come out and say that that he met or or even exceeded those. And, and I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think there was some talk about even uh, even if he wanted to come back, that, that he might not be uh, not be asked to come back here at this point. So I, I'm not really sure that uh, you know Tennessee, uh, you know, as as a program is uh, you know certainly they're not where they want to be. Um, you know, you think uh, it's been uh, at least a decade, maybe, maybe a little bit longer before they had, had really, uh, you know, uh, competed in the SEC. And, and, and they need somebody here that's going to get them uh, at, at least to that point where they can compete with those top tier teams here. And, you know, uh, we'll see. The sanctions well, are certainly going to be a, a, a deterrent to that. Go ahead, Matty. Well, well, and if you're if you're a volunteer fan, you know you got to be frustrated because they had their window, um, you know, three, four, five years ago, and before Kirby Smart was hired, and you know, Georgia's program was was kind of petering down a little bit, and even Kirby Smart's first year, Georgia wasn't real strong. And Florida was was pretty abysmal before Mullen got hired in there. So you got to feel frustrated because you had your opportunity to really kind of stake the claim to at least being the top team in the SEC East and, and building from there. But now you're you're at best the number three program. And, and Mickey said this last week, you know, you're a few years kind of behind where the Florida program is, where the Georgia program is. So he's got a lot of work to do, but but I'll I'll leave this on a good note. You know, a lot of times you know, you hear these, these hires and, and you fully expect, oh, this is going to be a great hire. They're from Nick Saban. They're one of Nick Saban's assistants. Or we see this in the, in the NFL. Oh, there's a Bill Belichick guy. And then they go and they don't really have any kind of success. But then you look at uh, coaches who maybe come from, you know, a little fly under the radar a little bit. You know, we saw this at Ohio State when Jim Trestle was hired. People were kind of scratching their head, like, who's this guy coming in from one double A? And he only goes on to win 10 or 11 games pretty much every year of his career. Um, so sometimes the guys that kind of fly under the radar, you know, if you, you might have found a, a, a gem, you know, a hidden gem or whatever, and, and could be that. Now, I do think he's walking into a tough situation. So, but you go out, if you can knock off a Florida or a Georgia in year one or year two, and uh, kind of build a little bit of momentum, win the games you're supposed to win. You know, who knows where it goes from there? Mickey, any last thoughts on this before we jump to the NFL? You know, Heupel Scott, he followed Scott Frost at UCF. Uh, the, his first year as head coach, their only loss was to LSU in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, what our listeners may or may not know is your three co-hosts in this podcast all won a lot of money on that game in Las Vegas. But following that, they, they won 10 games the following it's year. True. <laughs> it's true. It's a true story. They won 10 games the following year. Uh, this year, COVID, they had 10 opt-outs. They went, uh, what, 6-4, and four, all their losses. They lost to Memphis. They lost to Cincinnati. They lost uh, to Tulsa. So they lost to teams that were on paper better than them, and they were close losses. But it's COVID. Can you really judge a program on how they handled this year? I don't know. But with Heupel, it's it's in coach offense. His teams have had success as a head coach. Tennessee's got an uphill climb to catch Florida and Georgia. Uh, the thing that that uh, stands out to me though is his hire was not met with excitement from the Tennessee fan base. Uh, even the previous coach, 
his name eludes me right now, but I'm picturing Pruitt. him in his, in his babushka, Jeremy Pruitt. You know, people liked him because he was Nick Saban's defensive coordinator when he was hired, even though that coaching search last time was abysmal. And he failed horribly. So, Maddie, to your point, Hypo might be able to fly in under the radar, not have a lot of uh, support early on, but get some big wins, get the boys play, and hire an awesome staff, and, and hopefully Tennessee turns the corner. Yeah, and I know Scotty wasn't too thrilled about this, but uh, yeah, he hasn't we'll responded. See. He he was hasn't responded to any of the group texts about. I have not seen anything from Scotty in our group text about about this hire. He's not on the podcast tonight. Do we need to get Charlie Cash to go over to Scotty Betts' house and get a wellness <laughs> check? I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, we'll find out yeah. uh, soon. I think. Well, he shared a little bit with me, and and we'll get more of his thoughts next time he's on the show. Obviously, but. Uh, Anyways, let's move on. There's a there's a big game that we need to jump into. A super game. You don't pay your sound crew enough. <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally. All right, so we got the Super Bowl. That's uh, not this Sunday, but next Sunday. Kickoff will be a little bit after 6 p.m. Eastern time, and I believe the game is on CBS this year. Uh, the line opened, I believe Tampa was plus three, and Mickey, correct me if I'm wrong, but that has moved to three and a half now. Is that correct, or is it still at three points? Uh, you know, it's three points when I looked a little bit ago. It wouldn't surprise me yeah. if it's three and a half in some books, and other books might still have it at three. Uh, talking about this with Johnny Dodds on Thursday night, last night, uh, we're expecting the line to move. The Chiefs are probably going to end up getting uh, – getting the boost there and, and probably end up being three and a half to four, four and a half point favorites come kickoff would, would be my guess. Interesting. Cause a lot of the buzz early uh, Sunday night, Monday was uh, Tampa, 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 but I guess that's bound to happen when Tom Brady kind of, you know, leads the team and they, they knock off green Bay and, and we'll talk about, we'll talk about those games here in a second. Um, but, uh, and the total is sitting at 56 and a half right now. So uh, Tampa getting three points, total 56 and a half. Those are the lines. Uh, Tampa Bay got here by knocking off the number one seed in the NFC, the Green Bay Packers. Why don't we start there? Let's, let's get you guys' thoughts on, um, you know, Tom Brady leading that team, Aaron Rodgers. You know, Brady threw three interceptions in that game, and uh, but they came away with the W. Mickey, we'll, we'll go to you. What, what are your thoughts from watching those games last Sunday? Well, the Buccaneers-Packers game, we'll start there. Uh, Surprised at a few things. One, the Buccaneers jumped on the Packers early. Uh, It felt like the Packers have been the most complete team in the NFC going into that game. Not only did the Buccaneers score early in that game, their defense really stymied Green Bay's offense when it mattered. Yes, the Packers made a little run in the third quarter, but, but overall Tampa's defense made the stops. b I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, It's been broken down all over the internet, all over the television this week. About three minutes left in the game. The Packers have a fourth down, fourth and goal. They're down eight. They need a touchdown and a two-point conversion to tie. They decide to kick the field goal, and shockingly, they give the ball back to Tom Brady and never see it again. B-Locks, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was was shocked as – as, as I know a lot of uh, a lot of you were, and I, I know a lot of the the, the viewers were, uh, I, I I certainly did not expect uh, a team like Green Bay, who 
and certainly I, I didn't get this stat from myself, but but I kept hearing over and over uh, from the commentators on the game, you know, about how great you know Green Bay has been in the red zone and and how this has been one of the uh, you know most proficient offenses when it came to that. I mean, heck, you know, Robert Tanya, that's about where all of his touchdowns came all year. Uh, was, was from those red zone, uh, you know, play action. You know, they'd set up the run, they'd go through, and and I was really surprised that they uh, they decided, as most people were, that they decided to kick that field goal. And 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 part of the reason for it, and we, we talked a little bit about this earlier, was was again you 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 don't know what you're up against at this point. You don't define your obstacle. You you know if you if you go for it and uh, and, and you miss it, uh, at least you put them back. You you. You know, you got them down at the eight-yard line or whatnot, and, and your defense has at least put a little bit of pressure on the opposing offense. Uh, you know, uh, you've defined what you're up against. If you score, uh, you you know, you go for two, and, and you miss that. You know, oh, now I know I got to go for an outside kick. But but again, uh, you know, they chose to to go for the field goal and, and put the ball in Tom Brady's hands, which which I don't think. Uh, for anybody who watched that game, I mean, he, he played very well that game, and uh, I certainly don't want to put the ball in his his hands uh, in a situation like that. that that's that. what that's what surprised me was, uh, yeah, like you said, you know, they're, they're willing to kind of take the shot. Tom, your defense versus Tom Brady. When if you if you're Green Bay, wouldn't you want an Aaron Rodgers versus Tampa's defense? I mean, if you if you were to say, hey, you got one play from for eight yards. Do you want to be on offense or defense? I mean, if you got Aaron Rodgers, your quarterback, you're saying we're taking Aaron Rodgers, and um, yeah, kind of not doing that. It's almost like they maybe like outthought themselves. We'll kick the field goal. We got the two minute warning stoppage, and um, you know we can get an extra timeout and you get the ball back. And it's sort of like just overthinking it. You know, go score, right. go score, and if you don't get it, then go try and get the stop. You know, first things first, it was an absolute dumb decision by the coaching staff. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Mickey. <laughs> yeah, dumb decision. Dumb decision. But, but second of all, you need a touchdown and you need a stop. No matter what happens, you're down eight, you need a touchdown, you kick a field goal, you still need a touchdown. So you need a touchdown, you need a stop. Because if you score a touchdown, you get the two-point conversion, the game's tied, you got to stop Tampa Bay from kicking a game-winning field goal or even a, a game-winning touchdown if your defense is that bad. Um, if you kick the field goal, you just what they did was they just added more steps to it. And to be Lox's point, like define it. You know the easiest thing to do. You go for a touchdown. If you don't get it, you still need to stop. Blows my mind that these coaches are making millions and millions of dollars to to make the right decisions. And and the the Packers made the dumbest decision I've ever seen in this situation. You know, you know what? No, Aaron Rodgers blows my you mind. Know, you know, though, Mickey, by kicking those three points, then trying to play, you know, they, they were kind of giving themselves a shot to cover, though. So if you had the pack plus or <laughs> minus three, you know, you kind of had to be like, all right, all right, hey, we, we, we can do this. We can do this, right? You know, and you got the stake in the broom locked away from the Packers <laughs> giving three and a half, and then you see them kicking a field goal with three minutes left down eight. You, you start to question your life's decisions. <laughs> uh, we don't need to get into that. This isn't a therapy session. This is, you know, talking sports, talking hey. bats, having fun while doing it. So, you know, we, we, we'll, maybe we, we can talk about the AFC championship game. Wow, well, we've been out there. We've been there when Nick Chubb takes a knee instead of running it in the into the end zone and and, and blowing the, the opportunity to cover there for some people. And hey, this is a chance. Hey, may, maybe Lady Luck was going to be on our side, and the Pack were going to get their three and then get another seven or eight later and cover. But uh, yeah, let's <laughs> let's shift gears over to um, Kansas City 
they uh, they uh, hosted Buffalo in the AFC Championship game. A lot of money was on Buffalo. That's uh, that's where the public was. Public was actually on both Green Bay and Buffalo. And uh, but Kansas City, man, they they got it done, and they're back in the Super Bowl for a second time. Mickey, I know you were liking Buffalo a lot uh, towards the end of the season here. Uh, what did you see in that game? Break that one down for us. Well, you know, public money was on Green Bay and Buffalo because my money was on Green Bay and Buffalo. We clearly <laughs> moved lines on this book. But, you know, we talk about Chubbs, you know, the way Kansas City offense decided in the, the last three quarters of that game to turn it on and flip that switch. That was impressive. Uh, you know, obviously Patrick Mahomes is, is a generational great. Travis Kelsey might be the best tight end in the league. What Tyreek Hill is able to do in space, accelerating, going lateral, going forward, backward, what have you. He's a little jitterbug out there. And it's uh, he made Buffalo defenders uh, put him in the spin cycle at times. Uh, essentially, what we saw is a Kansas City team that hasn't played crisp all year decide to flip the switch and play great. And, and Buffalo couldn't match that. So uh, B-Locks, what, uh, you know, I know you watched that game pretty closely as well. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, you know, I, uh, I, I've i got to admit that I was on the Buffalo bandwagon uh, end of the year. I, I watched just about all of their last couple of games, and, and boy, I was a fan of Josh Allen. He's got a great story, and, and that's that's quite an, quite an offense that they uh, that they had going, especially at the end of the year with Beasley and Diggs. Uh, they, they looked, you know, they, they looked like a, you know, comparable offense to – what Kansas City had. No doubt Kansas City, after that game in Cleveland, which was, you know, a lot of people will say, hey, you know, you know, Kansas City survived that game. I'm not sure if they won that game, but they, they survived that. So a lot of people were high on the bills. And, and hey, I, I, was, I was drinking the Kool-Aid myself. So, uh, but what I want to talk about in that game was, uh, which, which doesn't perhaps get quite as much attention here, was the way that uh, Kansas City's defense played. Uh, Kansas City's defense, you know, shut down uh, that, you know, prolific, uh, that extremely explosive Buffalo offense. And I I don't think, you know, with with all the attention given to to Casey and Mahomes and the the offense there, what what kind of flies under the radar is is how well that defense has been playing, you know, year in and year out. And you you almost get that, that old adage of, you know, well, their offense just scores enough points to where their defense knows what they have to do. They just got to rush the passer. They got to do this, but, but that's a team that uh, that's a defense that can stop the run. Uh, that's a, that's a defense that, uh, you know, they come, they come up and they make solid tackles. Uh, you know, not a whole lot of yards after catch. I, it, I tell you what, I think it was, you know, perhaps more the defense of Kansas city uh, more than the offense in some cases that that's causing them to have such success. Well, and, and that's a very interesting point. Because in the NFC game in Tampa Bay, you know, all the hype's on Brady, Brady, Brady. Well, Brady threw three picks. It's that Tampa Bay defense that shut down Aaron Rodgers. And I guess that's what happens. You know, last two teams standing, they're going to be balanced. They're going to have good offenses. They're going to have defenses that are are playing well at this stage of the season. So um, it should be interesting because there's some high-powered offenses and there's some good, solid defenses that, that are flying under the radar. Yeah, and, you know, my talk last week when we taped this show was Buffalo and Green Bay were the two most complete teams in the AFC and NFC, respectively, uh, and they were playing against two very good teams. But the reason I picked those teams and probably the reason everyone tailed me was because of that. 
And so, uh, you know, you go to see that the two teams that actually showed up and played complete games, the defenses rose to the occasion, were the teams that won those games. And Brady threw three picks, but two of those picks were essentially punts. And the thing that impressed me a lot about the Tampa defense bailing out Tom Brady was when they turned the ball over, each time they did that, Green Bay did a three and out. And so there was no points off turnovers there. And two of those were, you know, Green Bay got the ball inside the 15-yard line. But uh, blowing my mind, the two most complete performances we saw on Sunday were the two teams that hadn't put together complete performances all season. And they went in there. They went uh, Kansas City at home and Green Bay going into the – I'm sorry, Tampa Bay going into Green Bay on the road doing that was pretty impressive. Yeah, and uh, we're not going to be making any picks on the Super Bowl in today's show, obviously the game is a week from Sunday. So we'll, we'll look at next week's show. We'll dig even more into the Super Bowl and sort of preview the matchup Tampa versus Kansas city. And we'll obviously have our, our picks at that time as well. Um, with that though, gentlemen, how about speaking of picks, how about we get into making some picks? What do you guys think about that? Absolutely. Ready to do it, Mickey? Uh, you know, I got to get in the mood, but I, I think I can make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Need to be wine and dine to get these Uh-oh. picks going, don't you, Mickey? Uh-oh. All right, let's let's do it, Mickey. Part. Let's do it. Pour yourself another glass. <laughs> All right, let's get into that money-making magic that we talk about. You know what? We got a we got a, a rookie making his first appearance on Sports Bets Fun, the Sports Bets Fun podcast. Be lost. Do your rookie lap. Share your money-making pick. Share the ma- share where that magic. Who are those teams you're watching? Where is your money? Where is your action? Let's get the listeners a little taste of what you bring to the table. Oh man, this is a tr- trial by fire on this uh, on this show, gentlemen. Trial by fire. No, uh, no, uh, got got to yeah. Put on the uh, on the big boy pants here, right? There's no easing into it here, Belox. No, 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 no. no. All right, all right, all right. So a uh, couple, couple of things. Now, tomorrow is a uh, absolutely fantastic day to be uh, sitting back and, uh, and watching some men's college basketball here. You know, hey, you know, I hear the weather is going to be pretty terrible everywhere else in the country. I know it's terrible where we are. So, hey, let's sit back and let's watch ourselves some basketball because we've got some great matchups. So starting out here with uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide against Oklahoma here. Uh, one of those uh, Big 12 versus the SEC matchups that we're going to see quite a bit about here. Great football uh, game. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. A couple <laughs> national championship a couple years back, you know. But uh, here we go. So we got Alabama. Uh, they've won 10 in a row. This team is, is hot in the SEC. Uh, they're going up against Oklahoma. Oklahoma's coming off of a win off of Texas. Well, kind of a win over Texas. Uh, COVID-diminished uh, Texas team. So, you know, I watched that game and I was really hoping to to, to learn a lot about what was going on with uh, with Oklahoma and Texas. And uh, I can't say that I did. So in this particular game, it looks like Oklahoma is uh, is given one point. But, hey, I'm, I'm rolling with the tide on this game, folks. So Alabama, absolutely. Alabama, uh, you know, getting a point here. I'm, I'm rolling with the tide. Uh, Florida, West Virginia. Florida, West Virginia, Huggy Bear, come on! One of the one of the most lovable coaches in, uh, uh, well, maybe not the most lovable, but definitely the most comfortably dressed coaches 
in college basketball. This guy, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm thinking I'm going to see him in a snuggie on the uh, on the sideline here at some point here. Snuggie <laughs> uh, bear. That's, that's right, snuggy bear instead of huggy bear. Anyway, uh, against Florida here, I know Florida's got a lot of hype. I, I'm not sure. Is this game in Florida? You guys are going to have to help me out here. Is this game in Florida or is it in uh, in West Virginia? You know what? I, I believe it's in West Virginia. West Virginia. This uh, you know, started out as action. What's that? That's that little country roads action. Absolutely, absolutely. Mountain Mama. That's right. So, Florida, West Virginia. I know Florida's getting a, a, a lot of love here in the SEC, but uh, hey, I'm, I'm going with uh, Coach Huggins here. I'm going with the Mountaineers. I think they're giving up five and a half, depending on what uh, what you're looking at. But uh, I got the uh, the Mountaineers to cover in that one. And uh, the last game I got here for you is Kansas at Tennessee. And Kansas has been off to a slow start the last couple of games. Uh, it's been a little bit rough, you know. Yours truly lost a little bit of money last uh, last game uh, against uh, I think it was TCU. But I'm taking the uh, I'm t- taking the Jayhawks here, minus two and a half. Uh, Tennessee's minus two and a half, so I'm taking the Jayhawks in that game as my third men's pick for tomorrow. I don't know if Scotty's gonna like hearing that. Ah, uh, uh, you know, starting off on the wrong foot with him. But uh, <laughs> hey, I'm drinking the Kool Aid on Tennessee Final Four team this year, according to Scotty Bats. I'm I'm buying that. I might have made a futures pick on Tennessee. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I, I like those picks and uh, that Oklahoma Alabama game. That's uh, that should be a good fun one to watch. I'll be interested to see how how those stack up. So. Um, yeah, I'll give you some more college basketball picks uh, for those listening. And, and just before you jump into that, uh, be sure to follow me on Twitter at MattyMoneyBets. I'll be dropping picks, drop them all week long. And this year, since the beginning of the year, since January 1st, uh, 48-38-2 record in college basketball. It's hitting that 56% clip. And the first game I'm going to give you, Florida State. Playing Georgia Tech, take Florida State minus four and a half. The Seminoles have been on fire; they're playing really well. Georgia Tech got a little bit of a buzz. They hung with UVA, almost knocked them off uh, a couple games ago, and we're hanging around with Duke uh, in, their, in their last game. So I think there's a there's a little bit of buzz with Georgia Tech, but the reality is, is Florida State's probably going to run away with this game. So take the Seminoles minus four and a half in the Big Ten. Penn State, Wisconsin. Wisconsin is favored by three and a half points. But here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you to take the Nittany Lions, getting three and a half. And if you're feeling lucky, take them on the money line. I think uh, the Penn State, they're going to be hosting Wisconsin, and they just might knock off these Badgers. Penn State knocked off the Buckeyes in their last game, and Wisconsin recently lost to Ohio State. Penn State's been playing really well last four or five games. A lot of W's. Wisconsin seems to be kind of petering out here at uh, this stage in the season. So I like Penn State plus three and a half. And if you want to want to want to try to make a little bit extra money, I'm tempted to take that money line and, and take a whirl with that. Two more games: Toledo minus three versus Bowling Green. Toledo's on I the like road. That. I like that. Yeah, Go Nikki, Rockets. Nikki loves that. Toledo's on the road, but they're only going 20 miles south to Bowling Green. So this is not a road matchup. There's going to be no travel effects there. Toledo's offense has just been on fire. They put up a lot of points. I uh, expect them to win this one, potentially by double digits. Take Toledo minus three. The last game I'm going to give you, 
Providence minus three and a half versus Georgetown. Take Providence. Georgetown has been off since January 9th. And I made a lot of money on Rutgers against Michigan State a couple nights ago. Michigan State hadn't played in three weeks. They came out, shot 25% in the first half, fell behind the Rutgers and just never quite catch back up. And then tonight, um, Omaha was playing South Dakota. Omaha, similar story. They hadn't played in roughly 20 days. They came out and put up about 20 points in the first half. We're losing by 34 at halftime. And it's just sort of the same song and dance I think we're seeing with teams that have these long, long layoffs. I'm talking more than a week. We're talking two, three-week layoffs. They come out rusty. Even Drake, the team that covers all their games, came out against Missouri State in their first game back. And for that first half, looked horrible. But then they turn it on that second half. So um, I'm liking Providence, minus three and a half points. Georgetown's going to come out rusty. They're going to probably be shooting 30% or less on field goals. Expect Providence to win this one. And if you want to, if you want a little other bet, look look to take them in the first half. I believe it's probably uh, minus one and a half, two, um, one and a half or two. But you can look at look at those bets too in a situation like this. Those are my picks. Let's go make some money, gentlemen. Love the picks. I love you getting on board with the UT, the University of Toledo. Fun fact about the University of Toledo for our listeners that don't know. Outside of the glass bowl, there is a rocket. That rocket is pointed directly at the 50-yard line of Bowling Green's Doink Perry Stadium, roughly 25 miles south of the Toledo campus. Toledo Bowling Green, that is a battle of I-75. And if Mad and Money say take the University of Toledo, if you're listening, that is a pick that you should definitely tail. All right, gents. We're going straight pucks with Mickey Sanrino's picks tonight. Good old hockey games with the weekend's picks. Do you know where we're going to start? Where are we starting, Mickey? It's a good question. B Locks, where are we starting? Are your hockey picks? Yeah, where are uh, we you're, 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 Hey, uh, I don't Any know. What, are you, your Blue Jackets? No, we're going no. to Helsinki, Finland. Pour yourself a long drink and buckle up. We're talking Continental Hockey League action. Felox was talking earlier about managing your bankroll and talking about teams that you watch and you pay attention to. Well, I'm going Metallurg Magnetors versus Joker at Helsinki. Metallurg rolling into town. They're second place in the Karlamov division, taking on second place in the Bobrov division. Maglord riding a six-game win streak. Jokerit won three of the last four. You know who's favored? Metalert. They're favored by half a goal. But you just don't roll into Hartwell Arena in Helsinki, Finland and expect to win. I got two separate bets on this one. We're going Jokerit money line plus 105. And we're going the over five and a half plus 105. Little foreign exchange rate double dip happening in the <laughs> KHL. So if you got nothing going on your Saturday, you're hanging out at home, maybe you're quarantining because of this global pandemic that's going on at about 10.30 Eastern Standard Time in the morning, maybe find yourself a bootleg feed of the KHL, place a couple of bats, and buckle up and watch a little Continental Hockey League action until Mickey Sanrino sent you. All right, next, we're coming back to the good old US of A, to North Carolina. Come on and raise up, take your shirt off, twist around your hands, spin around like a helicopter. 
That's right, little Petey Pablo for your Friday night. Bet you weren't expecting that. Dallas Stars, Carolina Hurricanes. The Canes are favored, but the Stars have been the hottest team in the NHL. Joe Pavelski, nine points in four games, unreal. Dallas Stars gonna keep it rolling. They're gonna stay hot, they're gonna stay undefeated, and they're gonna take the first one of this two game series. I'm putting my money on the Stars plus 105 money line. Not saying you should, just saying that's what I'm gonna be doing. All right, gents, do you know what time it is? What time is it, Mickey? It's steak dinner boom time. And you know what? You, you know who's going to have a steak dinner riding on this bet, guys? Zidane Chara. Why? And you're probably wondering, why is Mickey Sanrino saying Zidane Chara is going to have steak floating around in the universe? His former team, the team he captained up until last season, the Boston Bruins, they're rolling into Maddie Money's backyard rink to take on Chara's new team, the Washington Capitals. You know there's gonna be money on the board in the Washington locker room for this one. The Caps are gonna be playing spirited firebrand hockey to help Chara and get the W versus former mates. Yes, the Caps might have a few Russians, including Ovechkin, sideline for this one, but the Caps plus 128, great value play. They're gonna to come to play. They're gonna win this one for Big Z in the nation's capital at home. Staked in a boom lock, woo. Capitals plus 128, money line over the Bruins. Gents, you know there's only one way I like to enjoy my staked in a boom, and that's with cold hard cash in my hand as I cut into that, that medium rare ribeye from my W on the staked in a boom lock of the week. That's what I got this week. We're going pucks, we're going global with the picks. You heard it here. Let's roll. I love it, Mickey. I love it. And I love that last pick with the Caps. You know, they uh, were playing shorthanded the other night against the New York Islanders. Came back from a three-goal deficit to secure the win. And when and, and Big Z scored a goal, and every single player from that bench jumped on and went over and congratulated him. So, you know, he's fit in nicely with that team. And and I like that take. They're going to be they're going to be ready to play for him when they uh, they take on Boston. So. There you have it, folks. Those are the picks of the week. A lot of action around the world action this this week. So college basketball, hockey, everything. And uh, we'll be we'll be tracking all that and keeping an eye on it. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Sports Bets Fun. Stay on top of all this action. Uh, Mickey, anything from your boys Johnny Dogs or Mad Max? You know, Johnny Dogs and Mad Max are going to be supplying Super Bowl insights and picks before Sunday's kickoff. We're going to get Johnny Dogs on the podcast next week to break down Super Bowl prop bets. Stay tuned for that. Well, let me take that back. We're going to try to get Johnny Dogs on next week's podcast to break down the picks. He's out skiing in Colorado this week. Hopefully he comes back in one piece. That'll be a big determining factor on if we get him. But uh, stay tuned for that. It's going to be a good one. Breaking down the Super Bowl next week's pod. It's going to be an awesome show. Cannot wait for that. But we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Love it, love it. And B-Locks, man, your first show, we're, we're, we're getting ready to wrap up. But before we get out of here, what did you think? Oh, man, this was uh, this was fantastic. Love coming out here, talking a little sports, talking a little bets, talking a little fun with you guys. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm looking forward to a great day of sports, sitting down on the couch, relaxing, uh, 
you know, sending a few uh, controversial texts out to a couple of you guys, uh, harassing you a little bit. So, yeah, absolutely, guys. This was uh, a lot of fun. Appreciate it. You guys take your day off, a little KHL action there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, no, it'll be fun. It's definitely going to be a fun weekend. So we're looking forward to doing this all again next week. Uh, until then, be sure to follow us again on on Twitter at SportsBetsFun. Check out the website, SportsBetsFun.com. Have fun watching all the games between now and then. Hope you make a little bit of money, too. For Mickey Sanrino, for B-Locks, Scotty Be Good, and our friends Charlie Cash, Johnny Dogs, and Mad Max, I'm Maddie Money. Thank you for tuning in to Sports Bets Fun.